always talk about pain no matter what. They can say they never spoke about it, but at some point in drinking somewhere, they're gonna speak about it. And when some people find out about the pay, then they get really upset. It's really hard to make those big decisions where, no, you're messing up today. Yeah. Or, you know, I feel this way because. Those, those conversations and that language is really hard to have. You know, you're a small business giving, taking time to give back to the community. To me, you have a lot more integrity than other business people out there. So you've already, you jumped the ladder, in my mind, very quickly. You are listening to Fort Worth Food Stories, brought to you by the Culinary School of Fort Worth. All right, welcome to another week of Fort Worth Food Stories. I'm here again with Chefs Maddie Sharp and Chef Edward Gutierrez. Um, we are talking this week about restaurant ethics. So, so far, we've covered what is a chef, what makes a good restaurant, consumer ethics, and now we're on to restaurant ethics. Uh, if you've missed the last ones, go back and listen to them. They're, they're all really good. Uh, but today, we're going to start off with staff and and how people staff their restaurants and how they hire their staff. So, uh, Edward, I'll go to you first, and then, and then Maddie, you can jump in. But um, what, what did you want to talk about with the staff uh, with restaurants? Um, some of the stuff is... Um you know how they how they hired. Um, when I worked in restaurants, uh, there would be times that I would be hired on from a friend. You know, a friend of a friend. But hey, man, I need a cook. You want to come in and cook? And so I would just literally walk them through the back door. They say this is the pay rate, and just go right to work. Um, there's other times that I would apply for the job. You know, three or four interviews. Then I get the job. Uh, so we kind of talk about those, the differences in those hiring. Um, some places, I think me, we, me and Maddie have both worked at. They've filled the entire staff with friends, you know, and they put a, put a message on their Facebook friends and they hire everybody and then the restaurant doesn't usually go too well. Yeah, and, and what do you think on that end, Maddie? You know, what, what is the caution behind hiring a friend? Sometimes it's super positive and you work great. They come in, they, they know you're their friend and they're going to do their best to make sure that you're successful, they're successful. Um, and then on the flip of the coin, sometimes it's like, nah, I'm tight with the chef. Like, I don't, I don't have to do prep today. I don't have to A, B, and C. Sometimes they have this sense of entitlement that, oh, I walked in, I got the job, no problem. I'm going to get a paycheck, and everything's fine. Some, it's a really, really fine line of hiring your friends. Sometimes you need a friend in a pinch, and, uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, sometimes weddings ruin relationships because of bridezillas. Sometimes friendships are ruined because you are working with people. So... You know, even if you've worked together in the past, sometimes uh, it can definitely bite you. Yeah, and I actually, maybe a conversation off mic, but I'd like to hear about some friendships that were ruined because of Bridezilla's. That's interesting. Um, but uh, uh, we, you know, talking about, um, you know, hiring your friends, what's the difference between networking and, and having connections and getting jobs through connections and then and then hiring your friends. Yeah, that's a good one right there. Because um, when you, whenever you hire your friend, maybe you worked with them in the past, and like you said, it's using a pinch, you need them really quickly, and so you just quickly outsource them to come in. Mm-hmm. Networking means that you know people and they already have the skill set needed for the position, and then you reach out to that person. So friend a, of a friend. Right, a friend of a friend that has the skill set. So even though you're friends, you're hiring them based off the skill set they have. Okay. And you're obtaining them for that reason. Or off the reference of, you are a solid grill cook, and I need a grill cook. You know, or you rock out prep, and I need a prep cook. Off a of reference, maybe you haven't personally seen them, but someone can vouch for you. I think with such a small industry, having someone that will vouch for you is huge. 
or, you know, because it, it takes that one job where you might have been a newbie and and uh, worked briefly with a person. It's like, yeah, don't hire that person because when I worked with them, they threw away three-day bone broth, you know, or, yeah. you know, stock, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, don't say bone broth. I, I made myself so upset right there. Please cut that out. <laughs> you can cut, there's some meat on there, right? There's meat on the bone. Now it's broth. Ugh. It's bone broth. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> let's keep going. <laughs> Uh, so one one of the other things that you were uh, mentioning with with the staff is pay, right? Right. And and how do they hire and, and how do they pay? So go go into that a little bit more. Okay. So uh, I usually find that the friend that gets hired on is getting paid a whole lot more than the person that gets paid uh, hired for the skill set. Because the person they hire with the skill set, they usually do the industry standard, look across the board, they do those kind of things. But when the friend gets hired, they say, "How much are you making?" And they just give them more to come yeah. on board. And those start to cry, cause problems in the kitchen from animosity because people always talk about pay no matter what. They can say they never spoke about it, but at some point in drinking somewhere, they're going to speak about it. And when some people find out about that pay, then they get really upset, especially yeah. when they're hanging out with the chef all day, drinking with the chef on weekends, getting the better shifts because they are friends and they're getting paid more. Yeah. The next thing you know, your kitchen starts spiraling out of control or your front of the house starts spiraling out of control. So it sounds like that could be an issue for keeping the restaurant afloat and, and keeping it running properly. But what's the ethics issue behind it? I mean, you want to make it worth it for your friend to to leave the job that they have. Want to make it seem like a sweeter deal. You know, A, B, and C weekends off. You know, a couple more bucks an hour. Maybe even it's just fifty cents to a dollar more. Um, and yeah, I've worked in places where it's like, well, I worked here for a year and you started them more than what I, this is some BS, you know? And then even if that person shows up every single day, does their job diligently, the person that's making less money is like just bitter and super grumpy about it. It's like, okay, well you didn't have that experience that they had. No, it's because you guys are friends and you work together. Well, no, (laughs) I don't handle the pay. I'm just, I just cook food, you know? Uh, Yeah, and once the person starts getting a little jaded about well, I'm not making that much money. Why should I do this? Or they're making more. They need to be doing that. Then stuff starts falling through the cracks and you um, less responsibility is being held. Like people are less accountable for their job. Well, if you want me to do that, I need to get paid more type thing. There's just such a chip on your shoulder. And that's why don't talk about what you get paid at work. Yeah. Just get your paycheck and go home. Right, yeah. Don't don't Definitely. be that guy. But some people will uh, kind of throw it out. Oh, well, they started me at $14 an hour. Oh, you started at eight, or you started at thirteen. Right. Yep. <laughs> you know, and the whole kitchen staff morale is gone. Yeah, yeah. people are walking out the door. Food service goes downhill. You know, there's a lot of terrible things happen from there. I'll cook that faster when I get paid more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll do more work when I get paid more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ethics for me is, I um, I wouldn't hire a friend. Period. Okay. But like you said the industry is very small, <clears throat> so sometimes you end up having to hire a friend. So whenever I've been in that situation, I make sure that I put them up against other applicants and I have an outside source look at those applicants and say, which one of these would you hire? And if my friend is picked, great. You, you got picked on your merits, not because of our friendship. Um, and then from there, make sure I look at my pay across the board and says, okay, you can't make much more than these guys right here. So you have to make this much money. Oh, but we're friends. I need 50 cents more to leave. Then it's like, sorry, I got to go applicant number two now. Because as, as a business owner, right, that's how you would look at it. So you got to make sure you have that mind frame whenever you do hire your friend. I've been burnt more than once on hiring my friends. Love you. And if you're listening, you know. You know what you did. <laughs> I've, I've been burnt more than once um, where it's like, oh, well, we're buddies. 
I can't make it in today. Yep. Yeah. Oh, we're we're friends. I've never I've never called and quit on a job. Okay, well you're gonna do that to your friend. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. It, not cool. I've been burnt more than once. That's why the number one <laughs> rule is don't do it. But if you really have to, I will, put up against other applicants. I will take your advice. Yeah. <laughs> Moving forward. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm curious what you think then about like what about two friends starting a restaurant together? Is that different? A bad, different dynamic? I think that's bad juju personally. Yeah. Um, when two friends go into business together, um, it usually doesn't end well. A lot of partnerships that I've seen as a consultant in the business industry, uh, one partner ends up buying the other partner out. Um, whether they either get burnt out, they don't want to do it anymore, or they just lose interest in general. Yeah. And then this whole debacle starts happening and wanting to sell shares and ownership and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's hard to tell your friend the tough decisions. Like, no, you're wrong. We need to do this mm-hmm. as my friend, you know. But there are there are places and, and, and uh, restaurants and businesses that have opened friend and friend, you know, Airbnb. Those guys were best yeah. friends. And it is a lucrative business, you know. Um, it's really hard to open with a good friend, but you have to have a solid, solid relationship, even married couples. It's so hard to work together and have the separation of, okay, we're a married couple right now and we're not talking about work. It's so hard to have that balance and Mm -hmm. set boundaries for yourself. And as a friend, um, you know, it's really hard to make those big decisions where, no, you're messing up today. Yeah. Or, you know, I feel this way because... Those, those conversations and that language is really hard to have. Yeah, I've, I've seen places where one would be like more of the, the chef and the other one would be more of the front of the house. Mm-hmm. And then the front of the house is buying all these beers and wants to change like this and the back of the house is saying, you can't spend all that money. Well, the front of the house is saying, well, I make more money than the food sales does, yeah. the alcohol sales. And all of a sudden the whole friendship thing starts becoming data at each other. Yeah. They're throwing yeah. logic at each other all of a sudden saying, I can do this and I can do this because of this and that and that. Then the, the big dream was lost. Anything you can do, I right. can do. Well, <laughs> so, you're making me a little nervous because me and my friend are talking about starting a media company together. Ah, so so here's I think I'm just out. So here's some <laughs> advice I would have for you. that yeah. If you do have two friends that want to work together or if you want to open a business together, set clear business boundaries. Yeah. That's just the biggest thing. A lot of these people that when they do this, they're just too too friendly with each other. Mm-hmm. So if you go in this saying, okay, I'm 60, you're 40, period, right? So yeah. I'm... I, out, outweigh you no matter what decisions made and if they the other friend doesn't respect that you're gonna your turmoil is coming sure and even if you're 50 50 you have to know what your 50 entails and what falls under your part of the business and his or her 50 entails and their yeah. part of the business you know it's very important to have a sober realistic conversation because Talking over beers, a lot of stuff gets missed. Mm-hmm. Having these things written up and read through, and you know, CYA, you know, cover your ass, be be realistic about it, you know, and that I think can go across the board for any kind of business, you know. Be blunt and speak your mind. Yeah, interesting. All right, well noted. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. uh, so one of the things I, I kind of want to point out here is I, I got a compliment this week that I do such a good job preparing for these podcasts these these last three weeks. They've really enjoyed these podcasts. I just want to note that I don't do anything to prepare for these. These are uh, probably the easiest podcasts that I do. Um, so I just want to give you guys props because you uh, both Yay. come up with a lot of uh, great talking points and, and I think I've helped move this along really well. And, and the one that I really love this week is uh, this question that you, uh, Edward, wrote down. Um, are you investing in your employees or are you just paying them? So let, let's talk about that. You know, what, what does that mean? What, what do you think when you say something like that? Uh, that's deep for me. I, re- I really love that one. Um, 
I mean, I guess I wrote the question, so I remember. Yeah. <laughs> this one really strikes home for me. <laughs> so I've worked for restaurants that they, they'll go out there and poach the best of the best around them. Right? They'll go and pay $16, 18 20 even $22, $25 an hour just so they're poaching these people to work in their restaurant, which is cool and all, temporary solution. But what are you really doing for them? Are you treating them like robots? Or are you treating them like human beings? Because they've left that job and people want to keep growing. But if you steal them at $22 an hour, you're not growing anymore. You're probably never going to get a pay raise ever again. Yeah. They're probably going to work you as much as they can after that point. So are you, are you paying them $22 so they can grow and become a better person? Are you going to start just training them? Are you going to send them to school, continue education? Um, you know, like sending the chef out of country once a week, a year. What are you doing for them? Set days off. It, can, it doesn't even have to be huge. It's just like these are your set days off because of your children's schedule, because of your life. Yeah. Um, making everyone's life work as, you know, work-life balance is huge. What are you doing to ensure that your employees are happy and that their days off work? That's a very hard balance. That is a very fine line. Um and even then, it's like, what benefits do you bring to the table? Do you get health care, vision, all of that? Are you, you know, like, what are you doing to make sure that their quality of life is better? Yeah, more money, more money, more problems, though, right? Like, you know, what are you doing as an employer to make sure that your cooks and staff are there to stay? Like, you've created a home for them, um, as opposed to a temporary you know, living solution. Yeah. Right. Then you look at, at TCU, the, when you instruct at TCU, they usually give your family free tuition. Yep. That's something what? that's huge, right? Yeah, that's that, awesome. that creates a family lifestyle. Like, yeah. I would, if I got, if I was an instructor there, I probably wouldn't leave, right? So all my kids could go to TCU. It'd be a lifer there. Um, if you can take that same concept into line cooks, you would have lifer line cooks, people who would want to be there for you until they re- age of retirement. If you gave them stuff like that, you know what? You've been with me for five years. I'm gonna start paying for your community college online, or or just something like that. Start taking some courses. An extra week of right. vacation. You want to become a lawyer in ten years? How can I help you? Yeah. you know, how can I help you? If you don't want to be the cook the rest of your life, how can I help you transition to that world and become a better person for the world, not just for your restaurant? And and I think uh, something you had said a couple minutes back, but when you first mentioned it, um, you talked about maybe sending someone out of country for a week, one once a week, or once. One week, once a year. Yeah. Um, sending them out um, to do some extra training or something like that. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, but you obviously, you can't send everyone on your staff out. So maybe you're sending your executive chef or something. Right. Um, so what do you do for the lower end of the staff? You know, your prep cooks that come in, um, you know, and spend eight hours before service. And, and they're mm-hmm. not the ones necessarily getting their names out there or whatever. See, for me, I'm, I'm all about when the rest- restaurant's closing down. Um, every down throughout the year for their staff. Yeah. And I, I love seeing that on the sign. We've closed down for two days to take our staff to whatever. That's beautiful. I'll, I'll come back. Thank you for closing And that could down. just be in the middle of the year. It's not like up for a holiday or something I mean, like that. I preferably a holiday, but most yeah. businessmen want to make their money on the holidays. So it's probably going to be during the dead time, yeah. the slow season for them. Um, and then really it's about the cooks. What do they want? Maybe the cooks don't want to go to college. Maybe they have no interest in, in continuing education. Then find something they do want to get and then help them build into that. I also, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I also <clears throat> think when you invest in your, um, your chefs, all of that knowledge falls down into place. So if you're at a country club, you don't necessarily have to go out of country for that. That's not maybe affordable for everyone. Um, but talking to other country clubs and having your chef stage at a different place for a few days 
taking some of the recipes, taking some techniques, learning from these places. That's what I got to do. Um, I got to see how a casino in Alabama worked. And I got to uh, check out um, country clubs in Houston. I got to see all these different things and take bits and pieces of, I really enjoyed this. This was smart. I liked it when, and impl- and having your chefs implement those into the people below you, or it's like, hey, we tried the- I tried this amazing dish in France, and I'm going to recreate it, and you're going to help me. Want to Want to learn? Want right. to want right. to come exactly. up with me? Right. Want to try? Um, I think when you're excited about something, it gets other people excited. And I've said it before, but what you put into other people, they're going to reciprocate back. Uh, you're going to get it back tenfold. And yeah. and I think you've actually brought up um, maybe accidentally an interesting discussion point there. How much of this ethically is on the chef, the head chef, and then how much ethically is on the owner? If those are two different people. I think the money falls on the owner. Yeah. And I think the want and drive falls on the chef. Um, maybe the chef, obviously, maybe they're pitching in for something, or you know, it's their education too. And if it's a small business, by no means does that mean that you have to take this on financially, a hundred percent. But the fact that you got a want, and you know, there's there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. You know, um, coal can get turned into diamonds with enough pressure and and uh, you know drive yeah and the the most of these restaurants out there can afford this but what I find looking at P&L's is that the business owner doesn't want to remove the lifestyle of having Mercedes-Benz and and, uh, profit and loss statements Mm -hmm. Um, they don't want to remove their Mercedes-Benz they don't want to take their kid out of this really expensive you know private school they're in over expensive house that they could barely afford and so instead of investing in the chef or basically investing back in their own business they're, they're running out of money because their lifestyle is too big. So if the business owner would be smart enough to say, you know what, maybe I should lower my, my Mercedes Benz and drop my payments, they could easily Keep afford... Keep your kid in the nice school, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's another about the education part, you know. Lower the car down, yeah. and you can easily start affording to send your chef and your sous chefs out there. And I swear, there's so many business owners out there that I've talked to said I don't have any money. It's like, you make a lot of money. You just don't know how to spend it well outside the business. The Rolex. Hold on. What time was it? Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's crashing. We get another one. Um, that that was an airplane ticket to New York right there. Yeah. You know, yeah. you could have sent your chef to go stage for three days in New York for that one Rolex. And a lot of other restaurants, especially Fort Worth, we're such a tight community. I feel like it is accepted and it is, um, you know, welcomed to come in and stage and help out and, you know, learn from each other. I think it is huge. I, I'm, I will totally... Uh, blast this on here, but Fort Worth Foodies. I'm a. I follow that, and I love seeing the outreach of the community. I love seeing that. I love following mm-hmm. that page and seeing people like, hey, I'm looking for A, B, and C. I can't find it here. It, within five minutes, there are people that are helping now. It's like, yeah. oh, hey, chef, I've I've got this as a solution, and you can pay me back a case or whatever. You know, I love it, and I love where we live, and I think it is so important to reach out help a fellow chef and uh, you know cross train and stage you know work at different restaurants and and make we can all become better I don't know I think it's cool yeah I'm, I'm glad you brought up the community element because that was another thing we wanted to talk about is, is how much are you giving back to the community what are what are you doing for your community um, so ethically what what is your community responsibility as a chef as an owner uh, whatever it may be 
I think you have a lot of responsibility in the ethics part. It's anytime you become a business owner in any community, you're obviously withdrawing money from the community and, and putting it into yourself. So you're siphoning a lot of money. So if everyone in the world was to do that, we'd have a terrible community to live in, right? So you have to be able to give back some of that money. Um, like, uh, example, CC's Pizza, they, every single one of them, they sponsor teams. And they usually uh, give them free pizza whenever they win or something like that. Uh, most most fast food chains I can think of have a sponsored team somewhere to help and give back to the community. Um, I think the restaurants should be doing the same thing. I can, name, I can think of a few restaurants that have like a baseball team that they sponsor and they help pay for like the the kickball games and stuff like that. Um, and I think the biggest one on here would be like John Bonnell. I think he does you know the most. In my opinion, there might be some other people out there, but I see him always giving back to the community, always donating his time and He's his efforts. Every event. Every event. And if you look at his success, I'm not saying he didn't work hard for it, but giving back to the community really helped him out, in my opinion, by helping with his uh, advertisement, getting his name and word out there, and his food out there, at the same time helping. You know, yeah. So I think it was a, such a smart move to do. Um, a few businesses that I know are too scared to donate that little bit of money and time, and they end up usually closing in six months because no one knows who they are or mm-hmm. nothing about them. Yeah. Even if it's just like a more family-oriented, like, okay, kids eat for, sometimes kids eat for free with a paying adult. Kid, you know, yeah. or there's like some community um, yard games and stuff. Like, that, I haven't seen too many of those restaurants here that have an outdoor area, but they're, they exist. They're out there. I can't even think of the name right now, but uh, you know, it's more family oriented and it's like gives a safe place to go, whether you're a kid or whatever. I mean, it's a safe environment where you can enjoy, spend some money, you know, have a great meal and uh, you know, just kind of relax. And, and that's a good bonding time. And there's some restaurants, um, oh, and uh, the, the bookstore, uh, Leafs, Tree Leafs. Uh, <laughs> cut all that out. Um, <laughs> there, there's uh, there's places where it's it's no cell phones. Interact with everyone. Put your cell phone away. And and my husband and I have actually talked about this. Like we are too involved in our phones. So on weekends, don't try to get a hold of me because we will not have our cell phones. And that's something that we started doing. So yeah. I think it's huge. I think it's important to give back. And you know the Tarrant County Food Bank. Like that is it. I'll bring it up again, and I'll bring it up every time. It is so important to, like, $5 can feed, like, five families or something like that. Mm-hmm. Five meals. I don't know the exact breakdown, but $5. They're always looking for fresh vegetables, and they have their garden. You know, volunteer some time and pick weeds out of the garden. That takes zero money, just a little bit of time. I think it's huge. Yeah, Tanner Food Bank, is, it's a good point on that one. Um, I think whenever you become a chef and you're selling food, um, it's, you're really at an elevated status. And we often forget that we lived in an advanced country where a lot of people around the world can't feed themselves on a daily basis. A lot of people in the world won't ever be able to eat at a restaurant ever in their entire lifetime. So the fact that we are able to do this industry, we're very privileged to be able to do this. I think ethically you have to give back to Empty Bowls if you're in that position because Empty Bowls is giving to the people that don't have that ability. So it, it, would just, it doesn't sit well with me that if you're a business owner and you're not giving back to these kind of charities or these events, it just seems like you're like Scrooge McDuck, you know, like all you want to do is collect your coin. That's all you want to do. Yeah. A cooked goose for everyone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the end of it, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, because of what's, sponsoring empty bowls, we do, we do it every year. 
Um, it, it costs less than five hundred dollars, I would say, just to, just to be at the event. It's that's not it's pennies, you know, to any business yeah. owner out there. Most of these guys are, you know, making two hundred, three hundred thousand a year in, in profit. So five hundred bucks, you know. Even could, as a small business owner, when I had my, uh, my own catering company, I still did empty bowls. I thought it was a really good name to you know way to put my name out there and give back to the community. You know, I did something that kind of set us apart. And uh, it was a lot of fun. That's where, that's we, where, that's where we met. Yeah. That's where we met. And mm-hmm. that's why I'm here today, you know. That's mm-hmm. also, it's just kind of the timing of things and, you know, the plan that's out there. I just, uh, you know, it, it paid off tenfold because now I here I am at the culinary school. Had I not done that event three years ago, I would have never even tried. And, and I, I, grew, I grew a lot more respect for people who do that, like empty bowls, the private small businesses versus like, these giant restaurants that we have out here that don't even bother with their time on that. You know, you're a small business giving, taking time to give back to the community. To me, you have a lot more integrity than other business people out there. So you've are, you jumped the ladder in my mind very quickly. Um, I can think, I don't want to say any names. There's a lot of big restaurants out there who could afford to be doing this empty bowl. They have the staff and the money, but just it's not their cup of tea. Or even just donating. And, and then when people say that's not their cup of tea, you're saying we the people aren't your cup of tea, but you want our money though. Okay, I get you. <laughs> so, yeah, I I guess, um, you know, it sounds like there's a lot of ways to give back to the less fortunate and, and the people in need. How does it help just thinking of the restaurant community when you're involved as a community as, instead of just being a solo entity? Um, how does that help even just the food scene in Fort Worth? Am I asking that the right way? Yeah, I know, I know what you're asking on that yeah. one. Um, it makes us more humble. It makes us more connected and we communicate more. So, like, uh, for the people that I've met at the, the, the Empty Bowls, we keep, I keep bringing that up, but the people I've met at Empty Bowls, whenever we do that, we share ideas there. Everyone gets to try different food, different concepts. Of course, no one's going to be serving, like, Kobe and stuff like that. So the chefs become really creative on how can I give really good food but also keep my costs reasonable. And you see these great creative ideas coming out there. And the next thing you know, you meet a chef and you go hang out at their restaurant, like we were talking about earlier, staging other places. Mm-hmm. You work with them for a little bit. You learn some great ideas. You come back. And as, as, soon, as long as the head chef's excited about something, the people below them are going to be excited about something also. Yeah. So I think that just keeps a great generation of um, generating a good attitude in our back of the house. And doing offsite events, it's different from the day to day, getting on the line and getting worked over and whatever. This is a totally different monster that you have to like grab and, and run with. It's, so it's a it's a way to almost give back to your employees as well. Yeah, you know, it's mm-hmm. something to get excited about. It's an offsite. There's a totally different element. We got to keep it hot. We got to keep it cold. We got to pack A, B, and C, did you pack gloves, this, you know, it's just a total different challenge, and when you challenge your employees, when you challenge, you know, um, yourself, too, I think you grow, and I, and I think that's only benefiting your business. So just looking at the time here, we've gone over a lot, we've done a lot of good stuff here, and we still have a lot to talk about, um, so I'm going to recommend we, we split this into a two-parter here. Um, we, we conclude part one here and, and talking about um, kind of how uh, restaurateurs treat their staff and, and how uh, they treat the community. Um, so next week, um, what we'll talk about is um, how they're handling the kitchen and the products in the kitchen and, and that kind of stuff and, and talk about sales as well. So uh, let's wrap it up for this week. Uh, I'll say at the end, as I always do, uh, go rate and subscribe, um, leave us a review. That stuff really helps us out, especially on iTunes. Um, but we'll, we'll all, the three of us will be back next week and, and you got us for one more week after that as well. So I hope you're not sick of hearing Lucky all you. of us yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
That episode was brought to you by the Culinary School of Fort Worth. Located on Camp Bowie Boulevard, the Culinary School of Fort Worth is helping future chefs pursue their dreams every single day. You can reach out for more information or to schedule a tour on their website at csftw.edu, or you can reach them by phone at 817-737-8427. That's 817-737-8427. Also, you can check them out on social media to see what's going on daily at the school at Culinary School of Fort Worth on Facebook and Culinary School FTW on Instagram.